Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, 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 welcome to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today we have another beautiful guest who is absolutely amazing. Some of the things that she has accomplished in her life and the way that she has just become a millionaire is absolutely beautiful. She is a successful mentor, graduate with honors from Princeton University, and author of international best-selling books, Phenomenal Feminine Entrepreneurs, Business, Life, Universe, and How to Make Six-Figure Income Working Part-Time. I know you all want that. So please welcome Rebecca Whitman. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your expertise. I love your background there, the magnetic abundance mentor. And, you know, being a mentor mentor is so important. I mean, so many of us, I know mentors in my life have helped me so tremendously. So tell us, how did you get started with the entrepreneurial journey that you've been on? Yeah, that is such a great question. I graduated from Princeton University and I moved to New York City and I really had no idea what I was going to do. So I fell into acting and because uh, I always had that as a childhood dream. And I answered an ad that was ancient history. I know I'm dating myself where we actually answered ads in the newspaper <laughs> and it said, circle me. And it said, if you sell these products, you can retire a self-made millionaire. So I started my journey of being an entrepreneur and I took a lot of trainings with self-made millionaires in the network marketing profession. I did not become a self-made millionaire, but I took those sales skills to many different opportunities. I sold cars after that, of all things. I sold Fords in Jacksonville, Florida. So that was interesting. (laughs) I also did the uh, internet startup thing, which gave me enough money to move to Los Angeles. When I moved to Los Angeles, I fell into the children's acting school business, which was also all commission sales. And during that time, I started studying with great spiritual teachers about the law of attraction, people like Michael Beckwith, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Abraham Hicks. And I started applying that to my finances And that's when I really began making a six-figure income, working part-time, investing in stocks and real estate. And the one area of my life I was not so successful at applying the law of attraction was in my romantic life. And I married someone that was not a really healthy marriage. So three years later, I filed for divorce. And as my marriage is unraveling, my dad is dying in a nursing home. And he said, Rebecca, I really want you to write. 
I think you have a really interesting worldview and I think you should write a book. He always said, I act like I'm on vacation. So I wrote a book called How to Make a Six-Figure Income Working Part-Time. And in the book, I divide life into seven key areas, which I call my seven pillars of abundance. So even though my marriage you know, I got a divorce. I lost my dad. That year was the year I became a self-made millionaire through my stocks and through my real estate. And it was actually the idea of my financial planner to write a book about it. And in the book, I really empower people to have a more holistic view of life. So it's not all about money, 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 money. Money comes as a byproduct of having a balanced life within these seven areas. Oh, I love that. Yeah, now I empower women to go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. So have you, all of your career, you've been in sales in some shape or form? All of my career, I've been in all commission sales. And uh, it's it's been amazing because I have never traded dollars for hours. Mm-hmm. And that's what people do when they work a nine to five job. And the only way this book works how to make a six-figure income working part-time is if you're either a business owner or in an all-commission, or you could be like a salary plus commission, some kind of a commission job where you're getting paid by profit, not by time. Because as we know, time is limited, 40 hours in a week, 52 weeks in a year. And if you're getting paid by your time, you're, you're putting a cap on your income. So yeah, I've always worked in sales my entire life. I love that. What's your earliest childhood memory around money? Oh, I love that. I had a lemonade stand uh, when I was probably six and I just loved, it was at the end of our long driveway. I love serving lemonade. After that, I had a memory. There was a fundraiser for, I don't even remember what it was, but I had to ask a bunch of people to donate money. It's probably like a children's hospital, I think. And I just loved it. I love the challenge of asking people. And my my thing is not to take rejection personally. That is, I think, the number one obstacle of people being successful in business is they take rejection personally. I think of rejection as a fertilizer for success. The more rejection you take, the more successful you're going to be. Well, that is great to hear because I know a lot of our listeners are like, I am so frustrated with getting no's or not yet's. And how can I change that? And just knowing that it's a, just a beautiful, you know, rung on the ladder that we get to climb and realize that when you first started receiving money with your commissions based endeavors, what was the first thing that like, well, what was the charge in your body that you got when you received the money thinking I have no cap, I'm not exchanging time for money, I actually get to make as much as I want. It was quite a charge because I had very, uh, very, very privileged background where my parents were able to pay for an Ivy League school. And they used that as emotional blackmail, like, oh, we really want you to do this or do that. You know, I was living in New York City at the time. We're paying for your apartment and we're paying for your this. We're paying for your that. So I, even at that young age, believed in affirmations. And I was like, I love being financially independent. I love being financially independent. Financial independence gives me so much freedom. So I was very aware of my need to separate from them. So getting my first paycheck and all commission sales, that was significant. It made me feel so empowered and so free. Like 
I could finally just be a daughter and not lean on my parents for financial support. I felt like a grown up for the first time. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that, like, you know, when you come from a family that's well to do and they take care of all of your things, they don't understand like there's that pull. You know, I have one of my clients, her dad was a doctor and there was always this pull for her to go to school, to be, you know, in, in the medicine field or, you know, to be a lawyer or something like, you know, grand. And I, and she kind of just like, nope, not for me. I'm going to go holistic and I'm going to do these spiritual things. And, you know, she, she shares her testimony about, you know, even dressing like a hippie. <laughs> and I just love it. That rebellious part of us, because regardless of what family we're raised in, we end up, we have a desire to become our own person. I mean, I love how you pivoted towards that. When you went to school at Princeton, what were you studying? It wasn't sales. We know this. <laughs> Not sales, although I believe that every conversation is sales. You're either like convincing someone, sharing your opinion, or someone is convincing you and sharing their opinion. I studied English Lit. I majored in English Lit and I minored in Italian language and culture. And the reason I minored in Italian language and culture is because I was heartbroken and I wanted to just get distance and go to Italy and uh, heal and also get academic credit. So, and it was so ironic that I ended up graduating with honors in Italian when I just went there to heal a broken heart. So uh, yeah, English lit and Italian minor. Beautiful. That's awesome. And when you, when you went to school, did you make a decision that you were going to graduate and not pursue, you know, the English lit career, the whatever you were decided to be at that point, you could have been a teacher, you could have been a professor. I mean, did you have an intention and then said, Nope, I'm not going to do that. You know, I took the LSAT and I realized I did pretty good. I got 82 percentile. I realized that I didn't want it. Like literally my parents were so proud of me for taking the LSAT. They flew in from Cincinnati to like take me out to dinner and praise me. And I just realized after I took it, like, this is not my path. I don't want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be something big. Like I recorded a few songs. I thought maybe I'll be a singer. Maybe I'll be an actress. I thought about being an entrepreneur. I always thought maybe I'll own a spa because I'm always like, I've always loved health and beauty. So I I didn't think I was going to use my English lit degree. I, I had no intention of using it. I just knew that it was a stepping stone. And, you know, 80% of people do not use what they studied in college. So I don't, I think that's pretty common. Yeah, it's very common. Yeah. I retired from the social security administration and 95% of my uh, co-workers went to school for something completely different. And then they ended up working for the social security administration. So <laughs> saw that, saw that in the clients a lot too, that, you know, people would come through filing for retirement benefits. Yeah, no, I didn't go to school for that. I just fell in love with this career and this is what I ended up doing. So when you were in college, going from graduation to the independence into the adult life, what was your relationship like with money? If money was a person, how would you have described it at that time? I was very, very conscious of money. My dad uh, guilted me a lot. Like literally, I remember being at Princeton and crying that my dad had to work so hard to pay for me there. Even though he was a doctor, there was just so much guilt. And I, I do not like the feeling of guilt. So I didn't spend much. Like if you live in New York City, I don't even know if they still have them. They used to have like three wheat fig Newtons, like in, in saran wrap. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They're not like in a package. They're just like handmade fig Newtons. 
I would eat those for lunch sometimes when I lived in New York City. And I would, um, I was selling health and wellness products then, and we had a breath spray, an all natural breath spray that was $3. And I would literally like get so broke that I had to sell, like, if I don't sell this breath spray, I cannot take the subway to go home. So Mm -hmm. I would not, but then, you know, I was living in a high rise hotel that overlooked Central Park. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, my parents are very <laughs> generous to pay for that kind of an apartment in a hotel. It's in a very famous uh, Beacon Hotel where a lot of bands have played in the theater there. But I just, I was so aware of not wanting to like take advantage of them because of the guilt. I, so I knew I just had to like be very frugal with my money. And I'm not like that at all anymore because now I know that money loves speed. And when I'm, more free about spending. And I'm not talking about like racking up a $10,000 credit card bill, but if there's something that I want, I just allow myself to have it because I don't want to like deprive myself. Cause that's showing the universe that I don't believe that's an abundant, that there's an abundance of money. Right. And that's so true. And a lot of people have that, you know, I like to call it that scarcity mindset where, you know, they don't trust that more money's coming. They don't get that money is energy and it's available to all of us. And it's interesting that you had money at your disposal, but you felt guilty and you were actually starving yourself. I mean, thinking that you have to, I need to sell this $3 breast spray. That's what I can't even imagine what that would have been like. I mean, especially that having so much given to you, how did that change? How did that shift for you? Well, I had it a lot given to me, but like I said, it was with a lot of guilt. So that's why I was so into self-deprivation, which that is financially anorexic, right? Not Mm -hmm. spending on yourself, eating cookies for lunch, not taking care of your health. That's not healthy. So it shifted over years when I finally figured out how to make money. I had a big shift when I I was at the end of that network marketing company after five and a half years. And believe it or not, I started selling cars because I met a guy at a bar and Mm -hmm. he's like, you would be really good at selling cars. And I was like, you know what? I'll try it. And we were selling Ford cars in Louisville, Kentucky. And it started to snow. And I said, if we're going to sell cars and stand outside all day waiting for the people to pull onto the lot, let's go to Florida where it's warm. So then we moved to Jacksonville, Florida, and we sold cars at a very famous uh, dealer that's still there to this day, Mike Davidson Ford. And I started to make great money there. I became one of the top producers and a huge sales force. And it was amazing. I was able to like really take care of myself, like hair, manicures, pedicures, whatever. And it felt so empowering. And then I had a huge, huge, huge miracle happen. That's like right when I started to get on the internet, this was like in the year 2000. And just for fun, I created a profile on monster.com and said, I was looking for a sales job. And somebody did a search for sales, Princeton and Princeton university and, and in that area, I was the only person who came up because most Princeton grads are not doing sales in Florida. And so I negotiated like a humongous salary because I was like, I was already selling cars. I was kind of doing this just for like kicks and giggles. Mm-hmm. I negotiated like a six figure salary. And that was like, oh my God, with salary plus commission, I was going around to different car dealerships all over the Southeast 
and getting them to install a program where people could use their tax refund immediately as a down payment on a car. And that, that was like the biggest money I've ever made up until that point. I was 29 years old, making between 20 to 40 grand a month. And I felt like a rock star. I mean, I got a new Lexus. I I still didn't like go crazy buying like a $10,000 purse because that's just, I worked too hard to get to that point to like throw money away. But it was, it was definitely an empowering, wonderful feeling of freedom. Yeah. Especially at that age. (laughs) That's beautiful. When you were receiving that much money, you said you were careful still. You had that frugal tendency inside of you and Obviously, you weren't ready to buy a $10,000 purse. I always like to say money doesn't like to be a number, right? And we put so much value and our logic tells us that $10,000 for a purse is way too much money, right? But $10,000, you know, for a coaching program, that's a pretty good investment. But you think how much it costs to go to Princeton University for four years compared to a state school, right? And what's the value in that? What are you really gaining by going to Princeton versus a state school? By versus buying a $10,000 purse versus a $100 purse. It's the value that we put on it, right? And I know with a with the law of attraction, that comes into play because money doesn't like to be a number. So when you're receiving all this income, you're at that age, you're, you're really transitioning away from that dependency you had with your parents. You have this freedom. You're making all this money. You're in this beautiful state, the sunshine state doing fantastic, incorporating this system that helps the streamline, like, yeah, what a great idea. Let's use our income tax as a down payment. So selling cars, boom, boom, boom. You were able to negotiate this beautiful deal. What kind of money system did you have in place that made you have that desire to say, oh, let's multiply more money this way? I had a desire to move to LA and pursue my childhood dream of being an actress without having to be a waiter or park cars or do anything that I didn't want to do. So that's exactly what I did. The internet startup company closed and I moved to Los Angeles in 2001 with $40,000 cash in my checking account. And I think it was in 2003 that I finally got a real financial planner and I started investing in a Roth and a regular IRA And that's when I really started my journey of uh, wealth planning. But I was just at that age, I moved to LA when I was 30. I just was happy to have like a bunch of cash in my checking account and not have to work a menial job. Yeah, that's awesome. So you did you go to LA with a job or do you just go and like, okay, here I am. Let me find a place to live. (laughs) Yeah, I, I literally, I found a place to live from Westside Rentals. I... I met the roommate while I was in Florida and he picked me up at the airport and I had a dog and he had a dog and thank God our two dogs got along. And it's so funny because his best friend was Dak Shepard, who's an actor and has a really famous podcast as well. So I met Dax then and I just started meeting people in LA and yeah, then my LA adventure took off. But the whole time because I had the financial planner starting in 2003, I was slowly but surely socking money away into my Roth and my regular IRAs. And then in 2003, I also bought my first property 
And in 2006, I bought my second, 2008, my third, and now I bought my fourth property in 2019. So I've owned several properties here and the real estate in Southern California is just insane. If you have real estate here, you are going to eventually build wealth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Real estate is a great way to invest our dollars. That's definitely, a, you know, can't go wrong with real estate, especially in the prime location, even with the market, the way it's been, you know, 2008, and it wasn't a re really great year, you know, 2020 was uh, was very different than anything I've ever seen. I was a real estate paralegal when I first started. Well, when I second, I started off as a bankruptcy paralegal, then I moved into real estate. You see all kinds of crazy things with interest rates, especially in the late 80s, early 90s. So it's fun to watch it evolve and, and come through. But you've made some awesome choices with your investments. I love that. So did you end up fulfilling the childhood dream of being an actress? I got very close. I got uh, small parts on big shows like Friends, CSI, and 24. And you can look me up on imdb.com. I have a bunch of IMDb credits. And it's funny, I had like pretty much just given up on that dream and focused on coaching and empowering women. And as luck would have it, somebody that I work with, I still work at a kid's acting school three days a week because I believe in multiple income streams. And one of my coworkers is like, I think you could like really get an agent or a manager and I want to introduce you. And I was like, sure. So I already have a commercial and print agent again, and I'm going to have a meeting next week with a talent manager. So you know what? Your dreams don't have an expiration date. That's and it's true. so funny because I study a lot about the law of attraction. And sometimes when you really let things go is when it, comes back in. Like when you have such a tight grip on something where you have a lot of fear, scarcity, oh my God, what if this doesn't happen? And then you just like, let it go. It, it comes back in. So who, who knows what I'm going to book at this stage, but it's a passionate hobby and I'm just open. I try to, I, I am open-minded and open-hearted to whatever the universe and whatever opportunity sends my way. And I think for your listeners, just having that yes and mentality and just being open to exploring opportunities, you never know. One of my affirmations is I am open to unexpected good. Mm -hmm. And I just always expect where my wealth and where my opportunity and where everything's coming from that I'm limiting myself when I'm open to unexpected good, unexpected opportunities, unexpected money. It just, then the universe starts to work in my favor more. I love that. That's beautiful. So tell us more about your program, the Magnetic Abundance Mentor. So I have a program called Create Your Six Figure Side Hustle, and I help people start a side hustle so they can leave, either leave the job they hate or have multiple income streams. And it's an amazing program. Uh, my last graduate created uh, 300000 in income. After finishing this eight-week program, she sold her house for a huge profit and a and a litigation. She was in a lawsuit for two years that was stuck in court. It came through for her and she won. And she also launched a business. And I've helped so many, especially women, launch side hustles where they can take their passion 
to profit. And it's just been amazing. I helped another woman. Uh, she loved matching pets to their ideal owners. So she's the furry godmother. So we look at what is your passion in life? What would you do for free? What do people come to you for advice in? What is your superpower? And I teach them step by step by step how to create a business out of that. So that is an incredible course and that is available. I also have uh, a couple gifts for your listeners. One of them is on Tuesdays at 12 Pacific, 3 Eastern. I open up my coaching program. I have a mastermind that is completely free. It's just my way of giving back. And it's every Tuesday at noon Pacific. And it's a women's circle for coaching, accountability, and support. And then my favorite gift to give listeners is an abundance journal. I met this woman when I was only 19 years old, and she gave me this journal format that I've been doing every single morning for 30 years. And in that journal, it helps me turn my scarcity thinking to abundance thinking. It helps me learn from where I'm at on my path and learn from other people. It helps me have a gratitude practice. And this abundance journal will change your financial life because it'll change your vibration and it will just miracles will happen. So I'm giving that as a gift to your listeners. So all of this is in my link tree link that Lisa's going to share. And you can also find me online, Instagram and Twitter and Clubhouse and threads now at Rebecca E. Whitman and Facebook and LinkedIn under Rebecca Whitman. And my website is Rebecca Elizabeth with a Z Whitman.com. Beautiful. And we'll definitely put those notes in the, in the, those links in the show notes. <laughs> Get that tongue twister out there for me. I don't know why that's a tongue twister, but that's awesome. I love that. I love the journaling. I know some people don't like to write and it's so therapeutic. And I've been doing a gratitude journal for quite some time. And in the container of my program, we always do the the thoughts, the thought journaling where you write down, like, what are the beliefs around money? And then, you know, what, how are these aligned with your goals? And then what what would you rather believe? Right. So I, I love how you are incorporating that into working with these beautiful women, especially those who want to do it part-time, you know, cause there's a lot of entrepreneurs who you know really don't even, don't even want to make six or seven figures. They just want to have a steady income where they're doing what they love. And I love how you tap into their passion and, and create that step-by-step guide. Cause I know a lot of the listeners out there want the simplicity of it. They want the step-by-step guide. They want to have a mentor. They don't want to be coached. They don't want to be talked at, you know, and it being the mentor, is, you know, it's a powerful word because words matter. And when you have a mentor versus a consultant versus a coach, you're getting a different, you know, perspective, a different support from that, you know, from that positioning. So if anyone listening, please check the show notes, connect with Rebecca. And as we part, Rebecca, what are some words of wisdom you'd like to share with the audience? The words of wisdom that I would like to share with your audience is to celebrate the wins. I think when we're on the journey of success, it's so easy to look at other people or to look at, oh, I thought I would be here by this age. And there's so much wealth in the world. Like it's so much there's, it's like, oh my God, how am I ever going to have that kind of a house and that lifestyle? And it's intimidating And just know that you're exactly where you're supposed to be, that you live in an abundant universe and to celebrate the wins. I don't care if it's a health win, a financial win, a personal win, 
just celebrate it. If you paid your bills on time this month, that's a win. If you had the generosity to take a friend out to lunch, that's a win. If you had some extra money to pay off some of your credit card debt, that's a win. If you were able to make an investment and invest in a stock or real estate, any little thing or big thing, celebrate it because that's going to just attract more abundance and more good. And this gets to be a fun journey. Like getting wealthy doesn't have to be drudgery. You can have a joyous journey. And when you have a joyous journey, you're actually going to manifest wealth faster. Yes. Thank you so much. Everyone listening, go back, rewind, listen to that again, copy those words down. <laughs> a grateful heart is so important. It just creates that reciprocal energy of giving and receiving. So thank you to those of you who have tuned in. Be sure to give us a five-star rating, review the show, and share it with those who need to hear this episode and any other episodes. They're all about money, testimonies, and stories, tips, and tricks on how to multiply your money. And remember, it doesn't matter how much you have, it's what you do with it. And hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the show, give us some love. We would love your review. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. And some words of advice, pay yourself first. Are you ready to partner with money? Go check out the money dating game at idatemoney.com and choose your partner. We hope you always get the date you want. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire. With a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system, you get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.